0: Welcome back to Growing in Grace. I'm glad you joined us again. I have a message that may be especially appropriate at the beginning of the year, but whatever time you're listening to this, hopefully it'll be a blessing to you. But I want us to look at Habakkuk. It's in the Old Testament. Habakkuk, he's one of the minor prophets. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. You'll hear in the midst of this um, passage, he'll say at one time that he wants to listen for what he will say to me. I thought that would make a good title for where I feel the Lord wants us to spend our time today is considering that topic, what he will say to me. Has God spoken to you about this year, 2024? Is there anything in particular that you're listening to as he's saying uh, different things to you? You know, Habakkuk's name actually means embrace. Some people wondered if that name embrace or habakkuk was actually given to him because little did he know he was going to face a time in his life whenever the people of judah in the southern kingdom were going to be misbehaving and disobeying and all of these kind of things to such a degree he was just he was really disappointed and he was really downcast about it so he begins to take it to the lord and he can't understand why God is not doing something. So he starts talking to the Lord about it, and then in the midst of that, God says, "Oh yeah, I've got a plan and you won't believe the plan uh, even if I were to tell you, I'm working in your day." And so it's he's like, oh great, I knew you'd be working, you know But then when he he reveals the plan, the plan was that the Babylonians were going to come and they were going to destroy uh, the southern kingdom of Judah. And so that was not exactly what the prophet had in mind. So wouldn't it be possible that early on, the Lord led his parents in giving him this name Habakkuk, which means embrace, because maybe he just needed God to embrace him. Maybe he needed to realize that God has already got the whole world in his hands. Did you ever sing that when you were growing up? You know, some people call this man, Habakkuk, the doubting Thomas of the Old Testament. But I'm not sure there was so much doubt as there was just confusion. That's why he asked why questions. If you were to read through chapter 1 in verse 3 and verse 13, he definitely asked the Lord, I I don't understand, why are you doing it this way? Could that maybe describe how you feel at the beginning of this uh, new year? Maybe you're needing to hear God's voice, the clarity that only God could give. There is something unique about this prophet. You know, uh, they say that more than likely he was speaking sometime after the Battle of Carchemish, which happened in 605 BC. Uh, But we don't know for sure, because nobody really knows that much about this man. Uh, His birth is not recorded in the scriptures, his parents are not recorded in the scriptures, and his death is not recorded in the scriptures. All we have is this book, and it's really unique because what he's doing is he's uh, in a monologue, not with his people, but he's in this dialogue rather with the Lord. So he's dialoguing with God. He, you know, he'll speak to God, and then God will speak to him. He was not speaking for God to the people. But he was speaking to God about his people. And so in 56 verses, he goes from having a problem with the way the Lord is doing things to praising the Lord. How did he get there? How can you get there? How can I get there? Well, I want us to look at four different steps that he took. And I think if we take these, we're going to hear God's voice and it's going to make a huge difference for us. Let me read the four verses and then share the four points. Each verse has its own message, I feel. He says in Habakkuk chapter two, verse one, "'I will take my stand at my watchpost, "'and station myself on the tower, "'and look out to see what he will say to me, "'and what I will answer concerning my complaint. "'And the Lord answered me, "'write the vision, make it plain on tablets, Let's go through those verses one more time, sort of pausing after each verse and seeing what we can learn. The first verse, to to me, it says that if I want to hear God's voice, then I'm going to have to watch. I'm going to have to watch for his vision. When the prophet wanted to hear what God would say to him, you know what, what verb he used? He used the verb, look. He used these words. I will look out to see what he will say to me. You know, that's interesting. I would have used the word listen, but he doesn't use the word listen. He uses the word look. And so I think, oh, he's talking about watching. You know, I think that today this could compare to you and me, any of us who know Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, spending daily time with God looking in his word saying to the Lord, Lord, I long to hear your voice. You know, the Bible is not just what God has said in the past. The Bible is what God is still saying, even in the present. So when it comes to watching, what things can we learn from verse one? The first thing I feel, if we're going to watch for his vision, we have to realize that watching requires a decision of the will. He says, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. So I, it just stood out to me. I thought, you know what? We cannot go by our feelings, by our emotions in terms of daily spending time with God and spending time in his word. If we depend only on feelings, then if we're up and we feel great about things, we're going to meet with him. But if we're not feeling great about things, then maybe we're going to try to fix things and we're not going to meet with him. But anyway, I just thought, no, it's not based on feelings. It's based on the will. So the first thing is watching requires a decision of the will. That's the way he starts. I will. But then notice the next thing he says, take my stand. I will take my my stand. You know, watching includes determination to stand there. Did you catch what he's comparing himself to? I think he's comparing himself to a sentinel, to a sentinel who's standing guard on, say, a lookout tower. It's very similar, if you think about it, to Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, or Ezekiel chapter 33, verses 2 through 9. Both of these prophets, some have even said maybe they were actually, uh, their day job or their night job may have been, uh, you know, serving as a guardman. Maybe that's what they did. I don't know. Maybe they had to rotate taking turns with security. But all I know is he says, I'm going to take my stand. And so when I thought about the word stand, I thought, yes, he's going to have determination. He's going to stand there. I believe that watching also accepts the duty that has been assigned to us. I thought it was significant that he uses that personal pronoun when he said, I'm going to stand at my watch post. I'm going to stand at my watch post. You know, this speaks to me of diligence and dependability. Are you faithful with the responsibilities that God has given to you? I couldn't help but wonder if back then, just say around Jerusalem, if they had towers and if they took turns, they rotated these security men who would stand out there on that tower and watch. A long time ago, I was so blessed by some praise and worship music called the Passion Movement. I don't know if you've kept up with them through the years. This was many years ago, actually. But what I thought is amazing is one of those Passion Conferences was held outside. I can't remember exactly where they were. It seems to me perhaps it was Arkansas. But I remember one thing that they did. 24 hours before the Passion Conference or the concert ever began, before all the students came, some of the students went there and they read continuously Scripture over a microphone over that field where hundreds, perhaps thousands of students were going to gather later to worship and honor the Lord. They just read scripture over that property, and and others were praying on that property. I think that's powerful. Whenever someone says, you know what, I'm going to take my turn. Maybe it's your turn to sort of like God's going to pass the torch to you. And so it's your turn to say, God, this this is what you've given me to do. So will you be watching with diligence, watching with dependability and responsibility for what God has assigned to you. Another thing I think, though, in verse 1 that is at least hinted at is the whole idea of having to climb up there in that tower. You see, I believe watching involves the discipline to climb the tower. All you need to do is to make a commitment to meet with God every morning, and you know what you're going to face? You're going to face spiritual opposition. You're going to face fatigue and all different kinds of things will try to convince you. You've got so many more things that are way more important than meeting with God, praying and reading your Bible. But trust me, it'll be worth the effort if you'll climb the tower. What he says here is, I will station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me. So I really believe stationing himself on the tower meant climbing some stairs I don't know if you have stairs in your home, but here's the thing. Are you willing to put whatever discipline is necessary into saying, I'm so hungry to hear from God, from God himself, that I will pay the price to discipline myself in terms of going to bed earlier at night or making that time, carving that time out of your daily schedule. But I think there's one more thing about watching. See, watching conveys this whole idea. It's sort of sort of like a, a dynamic that what if God says this? Will I adjust my life to Him? And listen to what He says. He said, I'm going to look out to see what He will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. Oh boy, what if God tells you something that you're not doing? What if God wants to encourage you in something you were doing, but maybe you've kind of stopped and you uh, slacked off? So my idea is, why don't we do the same thing? Why don't we agree that throughout 2024 or whatever year you're listening to this uh, podcast, why don't we agree? I'm just gonna listen for God's voice. I'm just gonna wait. I'm gonna ask God to show me what he wants me to know. There's a second thing, and that is writing down his vision. Writing down his vision. You know, I think it's amazing if you think about it that we have no recorded facts related to the prophet himself. Like I mentioned earlier, we don't know who his parents were. We don't know where he was born. We don't even know where he died. We have very little information about who he was, almost zero, I guess. But when you think about it, we have so much of a detailed record of what God said to him as he sought the Lord for his answers. Do you know why we have that record? Because he wrote it down. Why did he write it down? Oh, I've got the answer to that one. Let's read verse two. And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. He wrote it down because God told him to write it down. You know, if you think about it, most of the important things in life, we write them down, don't we? I would say that's probably one of the reasons why Having a calendar is so important. It doesn't matter if it's a digital calendar or if it's just a sort of old school calendar that you have to write in all the things you're going to do, all of your appointments and so forth. But we normally can't remember everything we're going to do. So we have to write things down. I think that's what God was saying is, look, Habakkuk, what I'm about to tell you should be a priority. And so the priority of his words says to me, This will be worth journaling. Do you have a journal? I have a very simple journal. It doesn't cost very much. But if you were to buy a journal and you were to read in God's word and whatever God says to you, you write it down. Whatever you're saying to him, you write it down. Whatever you're facing in life, you write it down. I think it's so critical that we learn the importance of writing it down or typing it in whatever words you want to use, but also I think it's important to clarify. Notice that he does say make it plain on tablets. What does he mean by make it plain? I think that whenever God speaks to us, it's a real holy moment whenever he's talking to us, but he is giving us so much information or such an incredible, amazing revelation through his word, through his uh, written word that maybe uh, some other time on another day, maybe 10 years from now, you're not going to remember that. And so why don't you write down not only what he said, but what your understanding is of what he said. How does it apply to your life? What does that verse mean to you at this time? I think to, to clarify that could be powerful. Can you imagine your children or grandchildren someday reading through your spiritual journal? and they read something that God fed your soul, and now it turns right around and feeds their soul. But what if it was just a scripture with no context, no clarity, no explanation? All I'm saying is, he told Habakkuk, I want you to make it plain. I'm so glad he did. How about this one? Transferability. Transferability of his words. Notice that he says, write the vision make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. So in other words, God's wanting what he says to us to be passed on, to be shared with other people. In in discipleship circles, we call this reproduction or multiplication. It's where we don't want our fervor for Christ to stop with us. We want to pass it on so that someone else would be blessed, so that they could run with the words that God revealed to us, with the truths that he showed us. So why don't you try doing that? Perhaps you've never tried keeping a journal before. Why don't you try that as we go through 2024? So first, we're gonna watch to see what God will say to us. Second, whatever it is he says, we're gonna write it down. But here's the third thing. I think it's equally important because we have become so impatient. I love our modern conveniences. I've I've been blessed by them as well. But modern conveniences have tricked us into assuming that all of life can change just as quickly as a television remote or open to us just as fast as an app on a cell phone. You know what the truth is? The truth is, technology is moving faster and faster. But relationships, personal growth, God's plans, they're not even about speed. So God's not always trying to make it faster, make it faster. What if God wants it to be deeper? What if God wants it to be better? What if God wants it to go further? It's not always the speed that will get you there. So I want us to think in this whole idea about waiting for God's vision, waiting for his plans and so forth. I think there are some things that are mentioned in verse 3 that can help us with this, help us to have an understanding of it. Because if it doesn't happen immediately, sometimes we sort of, you know, become discouraged. We can despair. We can kind of give up and walk away. But here's some things to think about. One would be the appointments with his plans. He does say that his vision awaits its appointed time. So if the vision has to wait before it becomes a reality, that means me and you, we, we also, we have to wait. And so just know, though, that waiting doesn't mean it's not on the calendar. You'd see there are appointments that God has, and he says, it's not time right now. You want it right now, but it's not time for it right now, but it will come. But notice the accuracy of his plans. We may feel like God's will is moving so slow, or maybe even think, well, I don't even think it's going to happen anymore. But here's what God says about his plans. He said, it hastens to the end. It will not lie. Wow. I think that's pretty clear, right? He's accurate when he says things, when he promises things. If he says, my son is coming back to this earth, you can guarantee his son will come back to this earth. If he says that he goes to prepare a place for us, you can rest assured he's preparing a place right now in heaven so that we'll be able to go there and join him. Whatever God's plans are, they're accurate. Whatever he says about them, it is accurate. But also there's this anticipation. We have to anticipate his plans. You know, I like how uh, practical scripture is when it says, if it seems slow. (laughs) Have you ever been there? It's like, oh, Lord, I know you want this. You've told me this over and over again. So he says, if it seems slow, wait for it. Why? Because all I'm trying to tell you is God's plans and growth, and relationships, it all takes time. And so God is not, his highest priority is not speed. His highest priority is his glory. And so we have to say, okay, I'm going to anticipate it because even though it seems slow, I'm going to wait for it because I'm waiting on the best. That's the assurance about his plans, the assurance about them. He says, Really comforting words, I think, for any soul. The very last words in verse three are these. It will surely come. It will not delay. How about that? Man, maybe a long time coming, but it will come. Well, I can remember uh, so often when I was in college and then later when I was in seminary, I just thought, man, I'm never going to meet my wife. I'm never going to meet the one that God has for me to marry. And so there was so much disappointment and, and I would just be down about it. But you know what? I just kept waiting and I kept waiting and I was waiting on the best. And I feel like that God has blessed me so much with my wife, Jody, And I know God will bless you that way. If you're still single, don't give up. Just keep waiting. Let God work it out in his time because he will work it out. You can have assurance that it will not delay. It will surely come. Well, let me close with the last of our uh, four verses here, verse four, where the prophet says, uh, behold, his soul is puffed up. Who is his soul? Are we talking about the prophet's soul? No, I don't think so. God's still talking. and I think he's talking about the Babylonian king. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. I think there's a big contrast between those who are walking with God and those who are not walking with God, those who are walking away from God. And so the final point would be this one, walking in his vision. You know, the Bible says quite clearly in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, that we're to walk by faith, not by sight. So if you're just, you know, looking around you and you're thinking, I just don't see it, I just don't see it. Just know that we walk by faith, by trusting God's promises, by trusting in what he's revealed to us in his word. You know, but what does that even look like, walking by faith? Well, I think Habakkuk jotted it down in his journal. I hope you're going to jot down some things in your journal. Uh, If you're not doing it now, I hope you will begin doing that because he jotted down what the faith walk looks like. So I wanna close with these three things about walking by faith. I think one would be walking uh, by faith is walking in humility, walking in humility. You know, when he says that the king of Babylon, his soul's puffed up. If you wanted to check out Daniel 4.30, you would see what happened. Yep, the king of uh, Babylon, all right, Nebuchadnezzar, he was so puffed up, he said, look at Babylon. Look at my kingdom and all I did. And pretty soon he was, he, he was humbled by the Lord and he came back to say, you know what, God is the Lord God Almighty. And so no wonder we are told over and over in scripture to humble ourselves, walk in humility as you wait upon God's uh, promises to be fulfilled. But the other thing about walking in faith or living by faith would be walking in integrity. You know, God can see when things are not right within us. He looks at this Babylonian king and you know what he said? He said, you know what? It's not upright within him. It's not upright within that guy. So God can see these things. So that's why integrity means I'm the same way every day. I'm the same way in town and out of town. I'm the same way on the weekdays and on the weekends. And so Learn to have that consistency that is described best by our word integrity. But then one last thing, once again, I wanna strengthen that point of walking by faith also means walking in certainty. That's why he says, the righteous shall live by his faith. Wow, that's it. The righteous shall live by his faith. So we should learn to listen closely for what God says, write it down, wait for it to happen. And until it happens, keep walking in integrity, walking with certainty, walking in humility. And I guarantee you, good things will be ahead. Do you remember a guy who was not walking in humility named uh, Saul at that time? Later, he his name was changed to Paul. Yeah, he was really mistreating Christians and he was riding real big in the saddle until he saw a bright light on the road to Damascus. And as a matter of fact, that light was so bright, he fell off his horse. And he had a little conversation with with Jesus. And the Lord uh, talked to him about God's vision for his life. You see, he wasn't checking. He wasn't listening. He didn't want to know God's vision. He already had determined he needed to exterminate all the Christians and arrest all of them. But you know what? God said, nope, that's not it. I'm going to humble you down. And you know what? He lost his sight. He lost his sight until the day that he said, Lord, I want to see your plan in my life. Do you want to see God's plan? I believe God wants to reveal his plan. I don't believe God plays hide and seek with us. I believe God wants us to know his will. So why don't we pray for that together as we walk through this new year together. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for uh, the time to look into your word with my friends I pray you bless each one. Thank you for each one and for what you have planned for them. I just pray your very best for them, but they're going to need to really understand uh, your, your will, to know what your plan is, to know what your word says. And so in order to do that, they're going to have to carve out time to wait, to wait at their tower, to wait in their chair or their couch or wherever they spend time with you. So help them to, Take time every day to listen to what you'll say through your word and to write it down, to wait for it. And then when they're in between, just a walk in integrity. But thank you so much, and I pray you have blessed my friends today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, thank you so much for listening to Growing in Grace. I pray that's exactly what would happen this year. Go and grow in grace.